Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, Dewey Thompson, Ray Lyon, and Brianna Larimer share their decades of experience training in workplaces across the nation and talk to other experts about what it takes to be a team player, a great manager, and a leader others want to follow. This is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. With you today, Missouri Training Institute, Dewey Thompson, Ray Lyon, and myself, Brianna Larimer. And today's topic, all right, on change. <laughs> uh, yay! Oh, yeah, yay, change! I yay. love change. Yeah, Ray, Ray's in heaven over here with that, <laughs> and I'm over here like, oh, do I we have it. to? Yes, we do. <laughs> we do. We do, we do. Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, I think this is so interesting that there are uh, such different personalities when it comes to loving or hating change. And um, I'm kind of one that will drag my feet as long as I possibly can until I finally have to because I have to. But I guess the big question is, why? Why is change so hard? Well, I think we've all been through change processes, whether you like it or not. You know, we are, the world is constantly evolving, right? You know, the world around us, it's its changing, it's growing, we're adapting, we're developing, we're innovating. And I guess what I would say is, as an organization, if you're not doing that, then your competitors are, right? Um, and your competitors are gaining that competitive edge. I, I always, when I think about change, this is what I, I love about the description on this uh, podcast today, is I, I love that Charles Darwin quote, right? Um, that he talks about, it's not the strongest of the species that survives, no, it's it's not even the one that's the most intelligent, but it's the one that's uh, most adaptable to change. Um, and I think that we have to kind of think about that as we uh, look at how our organizations evolve and how our organizations change. I do. I think, you know, change is inevitable and it's necessary. And I think for for us to go on, not just as people, but as organizations, as teams, I think that that evolutionary process has to um, happen as well. And of course, I'm I'm an advocate for change. I love change because it's it's exciting. There's new experiences. There's always something to learn. So I'm a proponent. And I know I'm kind of one of those change just for change's sake itself. <laughs> so I do have to I do have to monitor that. <laughs> and I do, you know, that's what I rely on, you know, my colleagues here to say, wait a minute, you know, step back, slow down. And I'm just like, no, but I I do have to balance that. And I'm very aware of that. I think for us when you think when you consider the fact that as as human beings we were created to adapt to new environments to new circuits like you can put somebody who's you know was in a certain climate for most of their life and then moves to a completely opposite climate they adapt their body will physiologically adapt and i i think when i asked this question this idea of why is it so hard it's because of the mental challenge that comes with change and with adaptability we almost like bite ourselves on it a little bit. Um, and I, I, I think about that with myself when I say I drag my feet, I make it more difficult than it needs to be in my head more than what it actually, the change itself actually is. Well, I think as leaders, sometimes we don't always respect that 
in in the teams that we're leading. I think, you know, change for me, when I think about it from a leadership standpoint, the change that I'm asking my people to go through, you know, if I'm changing software or I'm changing um, location or, you know, when we think about going remote or I'm changing, you know, machinery, that kind of change is really just about the process, right? And for most people, that's okay. You know, that's the what or the how we're doing something. But I think what we battle then as leaders and our team is the transition. So what you just mentioned, kind of that that psychological mm-hmm. stuff, right, that we have to get our mind around in order to make the physical change or the, the process change. And that's not the hard stuff, the process, the physical stuff. It's, it's that psychological stuff. It's the actual transition that as leaders, sometimes we're not so good at taking our people through. It's so funny that you talk about that because I've seen um, leaders who uh, their their employees are having such a hard time transitioning, as you say. So what they do is they speak up thinking that that's going to help. They they talk a little louder thinking that's going to help or they uh, put more logic into it. And, you know, that doesn't that doesn't help. It's because people have they have to adjust you know, with change, I think it's important to recognize that that's something new. And at least the old way of doing things or the old computer system or the old location, I knew what to expect. Right. right? So I have that sense of security. It's from that that sense of knowing what to expect is where I get that sense of security. But when you put something new in front of me or that I have to uh, interact in a new way, um, I don't know what that future then entails. Right. It's that it's that uncertainty of what the future is, at least the old way I knew what to expect. And it's from that expectation I got my sense of security. But now I don't know what to expect here. I don't know how this is going to turn out. And so I don't have that same sense of security. And that's the transition I think that Ray's really kind of talking about. Absolutely. And, and, and you know what's so interesting as I'm sitting here reflecting on, on this conversation, my now uh, one-year-old walker, all right, he's oh, walking. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That's walking. new since Friday. Yes. Um, I sit and I think about that, you know, from being a child, we don't consider change as being a like having that scared sense of security. Um, This is something that we we create as we get older. I think about him and he's not scared to get up and to walk across the rooms as new. He's never walked before, (laughs) but he just does it. And so I think as adults, um, we've somehow lost or or maybe even gained more uh, more fear with change. But he has also, though, experienced that if he gets into his uh, little seat that he can scurry along in his seat, right? And, and oh, have yeah. new experiences or that if he crawls, he can go touch this new thing, right? Or he can have a new experience. And so he is getting kind of gratified and learning that if I can move in other ways and walking is just one way, right? Um, that he can experience new things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that when we think about an employee, um, when we're we're asking asking them to make that transition uh, and adopt some kind of change. You have to remember that I, I think they're experiencing all kinds of losses then, right? They're, it's almost a grieving process. But, you know, at least the old way of doing things I was comfortable with. I knew what to expect, right? Now I don't know. Um, 
the 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 old way i was competent in my abilities i knew how to how to do things with this new way i might not feel so competent um the old way required you and me to work together right but now this new thing requires me to work with other people that i've never worked with so i'm experiencing that loss of relationship with you and having to you know uh start a new relationship maybe with other people um you know if we move then i lose my sense of territory what i that i was grown accustomed to but now uh if we move up to a new building i don't know what's mine i don't know what's yours i don't know what's hours and so you know every time we think about something as being advent we, we change because it's going to be advantageous to us in some way we also have to remember that employees may feel a sense of loss a sense of grief right of, of the old well and then in thinking about that you know those are all again that that's the change that's the process mm-hmm. um the transition as leaders need to be thinking about is how does that change my um employees routine in the morning maybe they have to leave earlier because that building's farther away and so now they've got a um, now their daycare is all the way on the other side of town from this new building So that's the transition that my people are going through. Well, their daycare doesn't open soon enough. Mm -hmm. So now what are they going to do? You know, that's what's also happening. And the change is the building's the last thing, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, but the the transition that's going to be happening in all of that. You know, I I found people will choose dysfunction (laughs) over uncertainty, Every time. Every time. You know, I I don't want a new cell phone. I'm perfectly fine, you know, um, flipping this thing up and doing the A, B, C and, you know, click the button three times to get a C out of it. I'm perfectly fine with that. I don't know how to swipe right on a screen. And I say that kind of jokingly. I actually don't have a flip phone. But people will. They'll choose dysfunction over uncertainty. You know, at least I know what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you're comfortable with it, right? Yeah. Again, that's that sense of security um, that we often lose when we're when we're faced with the idea of of having to adopt a particular type of change. You know, a a good book out there that you might want to pick up if you want to learn more about this is um, a book uh, from Cynthia Scott and Dennis Jaffe. And the book is called Managing Change at Work. And what that book does is it kind of kind of describes four major kind of phases or stages, if you will, that people go through um, when they're kind of faced with the idea of change. And it kind of follows that grief process, if you will. So uh, the first stage is a kind of denial. You know, we've all been there, haven't we? Where something gets announced, it's like, oh, that won't really happen. They're not really going to make us do this. I remember in the bank, we were thinking about putting a brand new um, uh, Windows-based. Windows-based system in there. You know, before we had these dummy terminals, you know, and now we're actually going to have get online and, and right. actually have a Windows based uh, banking system. And there was a, a, um, a teller there that I think started with the bank back in the 1800s, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, and she was not going to have a thing to do about this, you know, and she just denied that was really going to take place. Oh, they're not going to make us do that, you know, and uh, they're certainly not going to make me do that. You know, I've right. been here longer than anybody else. And, you know, so it's that sense of denial 
style um, uh, that I think we can go through. And then once you work beyond that, um, then you get into some resistance, right? Um, when that, which is that second stage that they describe in this book. That idea of resistance is about, you know, trying to find reasons why your denial is valid. And I remember this woman again, this, this, this teller, um, you know, some of the things that she asked me was, well, will I get to park where I normally do? It's like, yes, you're going to be able to park in your exact same parking <laughs> space. We're not changing your parking space. We're changing the computer in your teller workspace. OK, but that was just an excuse. You know, that was an excuse for her not to have to um, think about adopting that. And that's that resistance. But then you move into the third stage that they describe, which is about that idea of exploration. You know, so we're kind of counting down the days when that new computer system is going to be put into that teller window. Um, and boy, she, we had to help her explore that new system. We had to help her explore how she was going to do things. We had to really focus on her competence and helping her to explore that new software. Um, and that final stage then that they talk about is this idea of commitment, you know? So um, how can we, you know, once we kind of got the, uh, the change adopted and people can kind of recommit um, if you will, to the organization, to the mission, to the vision of the uh, of what it is we're trying to accomplish. Thinking about that teller, um, you you have to know how people respond to change because mm -hmm. people are different. You know, just on our team here, obviously, I'm an advocate for change, and there's definitely going to be people, and and I know it depends on maybe what the change is. Certainly. You know. I, I kind of just like it in general. So in general, you could probably say raise an advocate for change, but just know where your people are on that continuum. Mm -hmm. You know, are they more of a in general resistor? Right. You know, um, and then be mindful of that as a leader. You know, do I am I really dealing with somebody who resists change in general? Mm -hmm. um, and then there's going to be those undecideds, you know, like mm, maybe, maybe not. You know, Kinda, I'll wait and see how yeah. other people respond to it. Yeah. Is it benefiting them? Yeah. yeah. Because I think as a leader, sometimes a strategy you want to think about or consider is how can I get my advocates on board, mm -hmm. right? Because there, there's opinion leaders within those advocates and those might sway your undecideds early on in the game. And then now you've got, you know, two thirds of your group mm -hmm. maybe already on board. Mm -hmm. um, and the resistors might have somebody to lean on a little bit. Um, so I think you can leverage your advocates as your opinion leaders to help. Um, and it's like, look, it's not that bad. You know, right. I'm doing it. You could probably do it, too. You know, right. that kind of uh, and, thinking. And, you know, I think you're absolutely right. You know, sometimes as leaders, we uh, we apply more logic onto the situation, hoping that gets people to think more uh, logically about adopting the change. And you know what? Sometimes that works because they're they they are that logical a person, but if they're not that logical person and they have more of that emotional response to change, um, then I don't care how much logic you're going to throw at them. It's still going to not necessarily help them adopt. So you have to kind of think about, as, as Ray's talking about, you work through those opinion leaders to help maybe others who might be more resistant to it and to know their preferred way. You know, is it about more logic? Is it about more, um, you know, just not feeling competent enough? Is it just, uh, I mean, there's all reason, all kinds of reasons why people people uh, don't want to adopt change. Well, that was going to be my question to you is, as we're thinking through this and we're, we're really advocating here to have 
your ambassadors, I guess, for this change, if you will, um, is it important to really pause and maybe some of those people who are a little bit more resistant to it to ask questions as a leader? Find out really what's at the heart of this. What is it that's it's scaring you the most or making you the most unsecure? I I would say yes. Yes. I, um, you know, you have to understand your people and know that they're going to be all along this big continuum of really people who adopt it very, very early on and people who are going to resist it. But you 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 do that by asking questions, mm-hmm. right? And by listening to their responses. And and um, again, not to judge their responses, but just to understand where they're at. At, um, and what they may need that could help them maybe push them a little along uh, along that continuum a little bit. And I don't think they're going to move forward with the adoption of the change until they do feel seen and heard. Mm-hmm. 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 And so not only are you asking questions, but I think you're allowing them to ask questions <laughs> and do it early. Don't feel like you have to have everything packaged and, you know, with a bow on top before you let people in on this. You know, I heard somewhere and I wish I could give somebody the appropriate um, credit for this, but I just love it. You know, those who plan the battle rarely battle the plan. Mm -hmm. And so I I just think, you know, this is going to affect them. You're working with grownups. So give them information and let them help you Mm -hmm. think about what's the best way to to move forward. And sometimes tapping in even to those resistors early on in this process, like you're talking about, and invite them to be a part of the solution to the change. You know, how can their resistance maybe help others uh, adapt more quickly to change? So invite them in. Uh, That's that idea of shared leadership, you know, as opposed to uh, change by decree where I'm the leader and by golly, everybody's going to do this the way I want them to do it. Invite them in, invite them to be a part of it. Yeah, it's not that they're making the decision, are we getting this new teller system? That decision's been made. Right. Right. There might be opportunities where they can help during the rollout. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So those would be things. But I don't think you can move into the logical onboarding of how you run the new system until you have addressed the emotional uh, concerns of the people involved in the change. Absolutely. You know, so we've been talking a lot about the resistance element here and kind of some ways that that uh, leaders can move through that phase that you talked about earlier. But I'm also curious about the n- denial, exploration and commitment. Those were the, the four that you had spoke mm-hmm. to. So what can leaders do, I guess, to back up just a little bit? What can they do if your folks are in the denial stage? Well, a couple of things that would come to my mind. First of all, as Ray said, you've got to give them the vision, right? You gotta, you gotta really clarify. You know, this is coming. <laughs> this is what it is we're hoping to achieve. This is, you know, the the means, the change that we're going to use to achieve this. Um, but beyond that, I would try to get them as, to talk as much as possible. Uh, about it. I, I, you know, I can't do anything about the resistance until I know what, what is, what are they resisting about this? And so I want to get them to talk. I want them to, to vent, um, and, uh, to do that. I might even ask them for some opinions about, okay, if we're putting this new teller system in, for example, then how might your role or your responsibilities as a teller change as a result of this, um, and get them to start thinking about that. Again, that helps me to understand where they might, uh, I might run into that resistance once in a while. Um, but then I want to ask them for changes. You know, how, how can, how can we all better adjust to this? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 
that kind of thing. So I want to, I want to really get their input. I want to empathize, empathize, empathize. I want them to feel heard so that they feel better about maybe taking that next step. You think this is where you'd put the with them? The what's in it for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The what's in it for me. You got to see it from their perspective. Yeah. Um, because they don't care if this is going to save the company money. Mm-hmm. They don't care if this is going to get oh, initially. Right. They don't care if this is going to get the customer out the, the door faster. Mm-hmm. They don't care about anything at this stage and moving for in, it, until they know about them. Yeah. yeah. Right. What's in it for me? Yeah. How is it going to make my day better? Yeah. How is it going to um, what's it going to do my for me? performance? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think as we keep talking about kind of that, the emotions that might be attached to to this resistance, the denial and then resistance to change. We also as leaders need to be cognizant of when our people are reaching that kind of emotional hijacking space, you know, where you're trying to have that conversation with them and their emotions get the better betterment of them. And so it may not be one conversation, I guess, is what I'm getting at. You may have to have multiple conversations oh. with your employees about this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Change very rarely just occurs overnight. You know, once in a while we might put a new computer system in and they have to flip the switch. But you think about everything up to that point that had to change already or transition in order to be able to flip that switch. So it very rarely occurs overnight. And again, we as leaders don't know what the resistance we're facing until we hear it from uh, those folks. And so it's about keeping those lines of communication open. It's about continuing to ask questions and and maybe try to tap into their expertise. So, so that really helps us as leaders kind of know what's our next, what's our next move going to be. All right. So say we've, we've moved through now the denial, the resistance. So we're in the exploration phase at this point, then what are some things that leaders can do in this area to help their employees? Well, a couple of things that I would encourage organizations to think about on a maybe a bigger picture perspective would be don't train too soon. You know, sometimes when we're training a new system or something like that, we don't want to do it way too far in advance. And then, and then the change doesn't necessarily happen. Right. So it's got to be more of that just in time kind of training, which I think uh, is, is important. But I would also say that before you get here, you better have an action plan about what's going to take place and who's going to do what in order to make this change successful. So that kind of comes to me at the very tail end of the resistance stage and into this stage is you got to have a plan and you just need to start communicating that plan. Here's your role. Here's your responsibilities. Here's and I need to delegate those things to you. Right. And then I then I got to do my coaching and I got to follow up and um, I got to have some conversation with you about, you know, what did you do well? What could be improved and and kind of move this, get people to change through the idea of coaching coaching them, um, which I think is going to be important in this particular stage. Final thing I'd say, and Ray, you can jump on, you might have some other things to add to this, but um, when they are starting to make movement and they, um, it's important to recognize that, right? Oh, look at what you're able to do, you know, and recognize that and, um, you know, make sure that we're, we're praising them for their efforts um, in, in adopting things. I'd, I'd also set them up to win early. Because I think you want to capitalize on that momentum 
you know, and, and especially if if they've been emotional or if you know that they're not, you know, advocates are going to they're going to work their own magic. Um, they're going to be like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I can't wait, you know, and they're going to dig in and move on. And, right. you know, they're going to have that intrinsic um, motivation. But I, I think, you know, sometimes those early wins, those short short term wins, you know, get it under the belt and then move them move them through. Definitely. Yeah. I could build some of that momentum. Can't. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's exploration for a reason, um, because you might see some backtracking. You might see even some mistakes. Mm. So just expect that. <laughs> I've got the perfect example of that. So we were doing a, um, this is for a nonprofit that I was doing some work with and the financial person who kept the books, she did it for, I don't know, 30 years. She kept paper books on these accounts. And then we, one day we're going to get them a brand new, you know, system, computer system. We put this computer system on her, on her table. And what we found is that for the first three months, when we were expecting her to use this computer system, she was actually keeping the books twice, oh. once the old yeah. paper way, <laughs> and then once on the computer mm-hmm. and seeing if those numbers matched, you know, cause she had a trust issue with this machine. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until she kind of felt that she could trust the, final number, you know, that the computer would come up with the same number that she would, that she was able to kind of let that paper process go. But it was just interesting how she was doubling up on her work, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, So, um, yeah, you you sometimes get those kinds of things. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't, can't trust the system. Yeah. yeah, Right. The new system. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's important to get people into that commitment stage, right? So they've kind of worked through the change. They know what they're doing. It's kind of lost its newness, if you will. But this is where I'm really going to, you know, make sure that I celebrate that success. I'm certainly going to recognize all the hard work that people have have taken to get there to that point. And so I want to recognize those responding positively to the change. But it's really now about focusing on teamwork, right? Mm-hmm. Getting back to the idea of teamwork and performance management and ongoing coaching. I would definitely debrief like how the change went, whether you're celebrating because the darn thing's over (laughs) um, and, you know, you're like, oh, gosh, thank goodness. Or you're, you know, celebrating because it really was a win because Mm -hmm. guaranteed there's going to be more change. Guaranteed there's going to be more change. And how your team approaches it next time could be very dependent on how this change went. Um, so I would debrief and I would, you know, what are we going to do next time that we want to carry forward? What do we want to make sure we're going to avoid next time? How will we avoid that? Um, what would set us up for success next time? You know, what would it feel like to be a more successful change team? Um, so really debrief well, because change never looks for a landing no. spot. It's no. always looking for a launching point mm-hmm. and a great leaders keep their head up um, and always look for that opportunity to, to stay ahead of it. So I would definitely put debrief on there, but celebrate first. Yes. Yes. Great. Celebrate idea. first. Great idea. Right. And I really, I guess, as we start wrapping this podcast up, you know, you, we've been talking a lot about the leaders change movement here, but I want to, if you're, if you're like me out there and you do struggle with change just as a, a frontline employee, um, it's sometimes easy to just pause and think about what isn't changing, what, what hasn't changed, you know, to kind of gain some perspective. Um, because again, it doesn't make it any easier necessarily, but when you can start reflecting on all the stuff that's still there, mm-hmm. I think that's helpful. 
um, just just to help because you help yourself and you can kind of help your team and your leader then as well. But I've loved this. Any final thoughts? I think that's a great strategy for leaders as well, though, is to bring that up and, and let employees process that out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, what truly isn't changing and I, I love that strategy. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, I just encourage everybody to get out there and uh, see what kind of uh, changes and improvements they can make. All right. Well, if you all listening out there have any um, things that have worked for you, any creative change initiatives, please send those in to us. Um, you can leave us a comment on this podcast episode or you can send them at MTI at Missouri.edu. And until next time, go be great. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu.